Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Hmm, Satnam. There's a subtlety that happens in our bodies that if we know how to use it, it creates the equality, equanimity, equilibrium and balance that we require in order to live our life in a intentional way. Living your life in an intentional way means that you achieve what you intend to achieve. As in the Buddha's prayer, The places I am to go, I shall go. The people I am to meet, I shall meet. The words that I am to say shall come to mind and I shall speak them. That which I am to do shall be done. And what I am to achieve already exists. And that is the prayer of manifestation mana, the brain-mind conveyance, festation, celebration, festival. A celebration in the brain-mind conveyance gives you the innocence, the innocence that it takes to be okay with achieving your destiny without struggle. You see, struggle is that same base as the Christians call original sin. Because you feel, having come from infinity, you've forgotten that aspect. You feel not that you've come from infinity, but that you've come from some previous incarnation that you have come from some family. You haven't come from a family. You occupy a family pod. It's called your body. You haven't come from a previous incarnation. Just like this one, that one came from infinity. It is the guilt that we sense, that original sin that we sense, that gives life its struggle, that causes us to have to prove something in order to earn it. Yogi Bhajan said, the stupidest thing that anybody has ever done is earned a living. (laughs) 
That would be like giving the gift of a car and saying, well, now I have to earn it. No, no, you were given the gift. Now all you have to do is use it. Because when you use the gift of life, that's the definition of gratitude. When you use the gift of your life, you are grateful. When you use it exuberantly, you are exuberantly grateful. Now, let me ask you, some of you have children, but everyone knows a child. If you give it a gift, and it uses that gift exuberantly, energetically, enthusiastically, doesn't that return a sensation of the gift that you have given is being used to its fullest? Doesn't that give you that sensation? That's the sensation that we are to give the infinite cosmos that has given us the gift out of all, out of all of the material in the infinite cosmos. You got this. And if you use this with all of its components, physical body, mental body, emotional body, radiant body, arcline body, auric body, soul body, mental body in three aspects, on and on and on, all of the subtle bodies, all of the not-so-subtle bodies. If you use these all exuberantly and you work to perfect the use of these exuberantly, enthusiastically, you will be entering into a territory that will scare the daylights out of you because you will be so unique. Funny story. They misspelled the word unique in Time magazine when they ran an article on Yogi Bhajan. And they said, Yogi Bhajan is eunuch. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And there was a picture of his three children. So how does that happen? And his wife. I mean, any word in the entire however many words in the article could have been misspelled, right? That's so funny. Unique. When you are that unique, you not only scare the daylights out of yourself, you scare the daylights out of others. And that's why you have to wear a sign on your forehead. <laughs> Don't take me personally. <laughs> you know, I'm not done. <laughs> work in progress, work in process, whatever way that goes. I never did know the which one, which, which. That's okay. 
Being able to set yourself up physically so that you use your entire mechanism emotionally, mentally, existentially, in all of the different ways. And then live through, live through <laughs> the condemnation. Particularly, particularly the self-condemnation. Tell me about it. You can't act like this without some crushing responses. You know, I've spent my life building an inner structure that can withstand the pressure. Because this is nuts. <laughs> Do you see the bleep? Einstein, everything that Einstein is known for, he had fully written and published by the time he was 25. From that time on, all he did was defend it. Nothing new came because all of his life energy was spent defending what they still call theories, even though most of it has been proven. <laughs> right? Like, the, it should be the law of relativity, just like it's the law of gravity. The general law of relativity, the special law of relativity. Yeah, there's other laws that intersect with these laws, but they don't discount these laws. There's a law that says stop at a red light, slow down on a yellow. That doesn't displace the law that says don't cross the double yellow line. They go coexistingly. So the Newtonian laws can coexist with the Einsteinian laws, can coexist with the quantum laws. Because they all are addressing a different level of the same perplex. Your laws of greatness can coexist with others' laws of timidity. They don't have to show your greatness in order for your greatness to be okay. You don't have to be surrounded by support in order to know that you're okay. His peers in India at the time that he said he was going to go to the West, he didn't, didn't know he was going to end up exactly in America, but he knew he was going to Canada, said you'll die within a year because it's against the cosmic law of what you're intending to do. And he said, okay, but it'll be the best year of my life. I was his driver. On day 366, he jumps in the car and says, I knew that it was nonsense. He used a more profound word. He says, I knew it was nonsense. I said, what? The whole thing you've been teaching? He said, no. That you weren't allowed to teach this much publicly to large groups. 
that had been around forever. Just like the um, garlic loaf. You know the garlic loaf. Some of you do. How many don't know the garlic loaf? Okay, if there was one, I would repeat it. A young lady, Italian, wants to impress her Italian relatives. So she asks her mom for the family recipe for the incredible garlic loaf. Mom says, sure, here it is. She takes the recipe, she gets it. It says, get the baguette, cut six inches off of each end of the baguette, slice it down the middle, fill it with this and that and the other thing, put it in the oven, bake it for X amount of time at X degrees temperature. Everybody loved it. Next morning, she calls her mom and says, Mom, everybody just loved it. And my husband thinks I am superwoman. But what about those six-inch pieces? Her mom says, I don't know. It was your grandmother's recipe. Call her. So she calls her grandmother. She says, Nana, what do I do with the six-inch pieces that I cut off the baguette for the garlic loaf? And her Nana says, oh, is that still in the recipe? My oven was too short. <laughs> you will die within a year comes from the time in India that the Central Asians, known as the Mughals, had invaded India and had taken over the entire northern section. And in this invasion, they found that the hardest people to control were the yogis of the Punjab state and the state of Bihar, two of the most noted yogic states in all of northern India. And so they made a law that you cannot teach these incredibly empowering forms of yoga because they couldn't control the yogis. Everybody else they could scare into submission, but they couldn't control the yogis. So they said, well, let's can't just get rid of yoga. It'll be a mass uprising. So let's just put a law that it was a capital offense that you would be tried and executed if you taught these really potent forms of yoga publicly. You could teach it to one student. And that's where the whole process of the guru and the chela, the master and the one student, came into existence. Hmm? And those are the stories that are always told. The guru said to his chela, my God, you know, they were teaching it like to the thousands before this law. And so the word got out that you can't teach it publicly or else you'll die. The exact reasoning got lost over the 600 years of the story being told. And so by the time the 20th century came around, it was thought that by teaching kundalini yoga openly and publicly, that you will die. It's just too dangerous. It's like you will just fall over or something. <laughs> and so Yogi Bhajan challenged that. He said, it'll be the best year of my life. There are mechanisms inside of every one of us, and they're called 
in English they're called the fraud factor. They're called the fraud factor. And what it is, it's a governing factor used by the laws of evolution so that things don't mutate. They evolve, they grow, but they don't grow too fast because too rapid of a growth is called a mutation. And why don't they want things to mutate that fast? Because no generation, if the subsequent generation is a mutation, would recognize it as its offspring. And therefore, except in those particular arenas of the species that has conscious or collective thought, nobody would recognize its offspring, so it would reject it. Exactly. And so these are very intricate laws of evolution. And those same laws of evolution, when you decide that you want to grow really quickly, you want to really excel, all of a sudden you bump up against that ceiling. And all of the people around you will agree with the ceiling by giving you signals. Facial signals, verbal signals, tone of voice signals, all kinds of signals. Really? Do you think you should be? Or they'll, or they'll placate you. Oh, I think it's great what you're doing, but that's not for me. Every one of these external as well as internal signals is just a part of that evolutionary governance. It's up to you to break the law. Be an outlaw. Be a bandido. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yogi Bhajan yells across the room in 2001. Guru Singh, we had no idea what we were doing when we started out, did we? And I looked back across the room. There was a lot of people in that room. And I looked at him and I said, I thought you did. <laughs> and he said, nah. We were just doing it. So I invite you to find that ability within yourself. Even with this, you know, it's funny, this thing that came on. A couple of times today, I, you can work your way out of, uh, you know, and you can find an, an avenue out, and I could sing through that avenue. It's cool. Um, but you are always able to find a way through. You just have to put more energy into finding the way through than you put into confirming the reasons why you're being told you're not supposed to. Hmm? Because most of us do just that. We try to confirm the reasons why we're not supposed to. Because our thoughts are very, 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 very convincing. Our thoughts 
are very, very, very convincing. Why don't we just let her play it out? Because I think she's just actually going through what I'm talking about. <laughs> so let's just let her play that out. And we'll just think of it as background music. So a few parts of the body that are really important as we do this. One is your diaphragm. Really, really important for you to have a solid connection with your diaphragm when, thank you, when you're having these trepidations, when these limitations are trying to be imposed upon you. Feel the breath of your diaphragm because that's going to give you, that's going to give you the confidence, that's going to give you the resilience because you're going to have a connection with your breath. And the breath is that connection with the subconscious and that's where all of this is stored. The limitations are stored in the unconscious and the subconscious portions of your mental body. Yeah. Another part of you that is really important to gain, to gain contact with during this is the upper two vertebrae of your neck. C1 and C2. And that means that you have to spend less time texting <laughs> and more time ah, reflecting <laughs> on the infinity. Yeah? Because we're losing that cervical curve in a big, big way. A big, big way. That natural 60-degree sine wave that follows exactly the waveform that the kundalini takes. So it comes off of your tailbone, up over your, your buttocks, then in through the small of your back, and then out over the central portion of your spine, back in through the shoulder's neck, and back out like that. It's a 60-degree sine wave. When that 60-degree sine wave is intact, then the kundalini wave is much, because it's a way, it's a light wave, has a much easier time reflecting and refracting and focusing through the spinal fluid. Another area that you want to spend some time in clearing is right here. The parietal lobes are the ones that so prefrontal, frontal, parietal, occipital, and wow. <coughs> Hearing. Temporal. Temporal lobes. So prefrontal, frontal, parietal, occipital, temporal. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are in the upper back of the crown, hmm, these are the ones that you also want to, because these are the, this is the area that you store social noise. You store all of the recent verbal activity 
opinions are stored there. Attitudes, superficial attitudes are stored there. Things that you would have as a knee-jerk reaction are stored there. And the last area is the reticular formation, which is right here at the base, the primitive brain. And you want to be able to clear these areas and connect with these areas. The diaphragm, the top two vertebra, parietal lobes, reticular formation. And every exercise that we'll be doing tonight is going to bring an electromagnetic, an electromagnetic influence into these areas. See how easily we got through that? I mean, I'm not saying she's done, but I'm saying that we got through the biggest, worst part of it all. We could have made a bigger deal out of it, couldn't we? But not of any value. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success. And it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, a breathing exercise, and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day. And then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files, which are guided 11-minute meditations, which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.